Welcome back to The Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Howdy. Ah, 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 ah. 55, 55. Woo! Yes, folks, we're here all disco-y and glitzy this week, and we're talking episode 55 right now. You excited? I'm excited. I didn't plan to live this long. <laughs> Paul's still staying alive. <laughs> you can't tell by the way Paul uses his walk. He's a woman's man. No time to talk. Clearly, you haven't right. met me. <laughs> <laughs> Paul can always talk. That's why he does a podcast. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> well, if you missed our last episode, you should really go check that out when the gang and I talked about sports teams that either no longer exist or that came into existence between 1980 and 2005. Recently, we've also discussed Firefly, Cheers, Stephen King, and Paul and Adam did a video game playthrough of Oregon Trail. And that's not a typo. It's literally a parody of Oregon Trail, <laughs> but with zombies. So, zombies uh, make everything better. They definitely this do. True. <laughs> it's like Dr. Pepper making the world taste better. You can't make this shit up. Uh, but... <laughs> You can find that in all of our past content on datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever the heck you find your podcast. I find mine in the trash can. I feel like you've looked there before. I say, what are you looking for? <laughs> His car keys. You I know, uh, looking for, you know, buried treasure, food. I was going to say, my dog loves mint-flavored dental floss. <laughs> <laughs> That's always fun to find later. Oh, yeah, that, that's fun coming out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, let's get started. This week, I'm going to be leading a discussion on the game show phenomenon, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Which was submitted by Mike A. of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Holy crap, Paul. Slow I didn't know you. On that. Yeah, I didn't know you had impression. Regis come on the show for us. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, he he offered to do the intro for us. That was really nice of him. Wow, he's a busy guy. So Adam, you are you are amazing. You are now a man of four impressions. <laughs> I didn't know I Which had that is... many impressions. What other ones do I have? Al Pacino. Oh yeah. <laughs> Vince McMahon. Oh, look at it, it's you. <laughs> the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. How does one even? How does one even? Like I just walk around being fat. Is that what you're saying? Your words, not mine. Yeah, the the only two impressions I do are on my chair right now. So (laughs) nice, nice seat cushion impression. So um. and we can now add Regis Philbin to the list. There you go. Well, we certainly can't add Arnold Schwarzenegger because that is certainly not my best. No, I do a good Mickey Mouse though. Oh, now you have to do it. I need something to say, though. Uh, well. say, uh, <laughs> welcome to my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my nightmare, Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Oh, that just became like a reoccurring sued, segment. But... You are so going to regret this. Yeah. <laughs> I say, Iger's gone now, so I'm not too concerned, so. Please instruct our children listeners to mail us their parents' visa numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like every episode now we need to have Brian say some really dark and twisted thing in Mickey voice. Yeah, just a bunch of Alice Cooper lyrics. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, no more anyway. Mr. Nice Guy! <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm 18 and I don't know what I want. <laughs> Feed my Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Remember, we will pick next week's topic at the end of the show. It will be nostalgia combat. Nostalgia combat. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, Mickey. What's <laughs> 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 Me and Total Recall, give those people air versus Brian and Beanie Babies. Give those people a toy and their Happy Meal. <laughs> It'll be collectible one day. <laughs> Still waiting. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I have a whole all bunch the, of my dad's attic. All the things it's, from it's the really 90s bad. that I'm still waiting to become valuable <laughs> like they said they would. We got Pokemon cards and... Pokemon cards, baseball cards. I got uh, a collection of... Tiger Woods, uh, uh, Grand, uh, what's that called? Uh, Grand Slam bobbleheads. Grand Funk Railroad, yeah. No, definitely not Grand Funk Railroad. I bet if you got one signed by each of his mistresses, it'd be worth something. <sighs> You're probably right. Uh, what about the chick from, uh, what was it, Perkins that he picked up? <laughs> like the waitress from Perkins that he got? <laughs> I am totally unaware of this one. <laughs> yeah, one one of his mistresses apparently was the uh, a waitress at the Perkins that he used to regular. <laughs> that's some serious game. <laughs> right. If you can do anything at a Perkins, I mean that's well, a step above Applebee's. I mean, let's be fair. He's a millionaire showing up at Perkins. He is the most interesting person in that place. <laughs> <sighs> what well, were we talking about again? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we're doing a show. <laughs> we will also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Adam. So, Adam, who wants to be a millionaire? I don't know. Do you want to be a millionaire? I do. Does Brian want to be a millionaire? Certainly wouldn't hurt. <laughs> he might be able to afford a condo. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> at least, the, at least the dues. <laughs> maybe not the mortgage. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's, that's DC so, for you, who folks. <laughs> wants to be a millionaire? So, uh, this was a game show that aired in American television. And it was actually, uh, in my research, I uh, it refreshed my memory that this was actually based off of an old British TV show. Uh, and when I say old, I mean it was like, you know, leading up to the American version. So it's not like it was old by their time period, but now being like 20 yeah, years later. The Council like of Trent used to play this, you know. And, uh... Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. It was written in the Tower of Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this was a show that uh, premiered on ABC on August 16th of 1999. Um, and it was actually, I had forgotten this, but it initially wasn't going to be a series. It was just going to be a two-week special event that was hosted by Regis Philbin, uh, of course, of Live with Regis and Kathy Lee fame at the time. Um, and so the event was just going to be like a two-week-long uh, stint of this show on American TV. And then it ended up becoming so popular that ABC commissioned a regular weekly series 
starting on January 18th of 2020. Uh, See, I really liked the idea of it as a two-week event, because I think that's what made it, like, can't miss TV. Like, you... True. I think everybody I know watched it. I don't... I can't think of a, a, you know, a single person in my circle that wasn't sitting in front of the TV for the debut episode. Well, and I think what's important to point out, too, the reason why it was so can't miss is because it was the first U.S. uh, network series to offer a million dollars as the top prize. Like, if you think about it, leading up to this, you had basically, like, Jeopardy and, um, oh, what's the other, uh, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, stuff like that. Like, you didn't have shows like One Versus a Hundred or, uh, what right. was the briefcase one? Um, deal or No Deal? Is that deal what it was? No with, with Howie Mandel? Yeah. Yeah. That's always like the question, especially with folks like the boomers will always say something about the $64,000 question, you know, because that used to be the grand prize, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like the $10,000 pyramid and all that. Yeah. So, uh, this was unheard of that a show could offer a million dollars as a top prize. So that really is what made it so compelling initially. It was like, Oh my God, somebody could become a millionaire like live on TV. Um, and of course I, uh, don't believe that anyone won the million dollars for a while. It, it wasn't like, you know, on that first two-week run they had somebody finally win the whole show. Um, but, you know, it was still obviously really compelling because you never knew each week, you know, well, is this going to be it? Is this going to be the week that somebody <laughs> finally does it? And you knew it was a show geared for millennials, too, because it had lifelines. This is true. <laughs> and it had a lot of shi- shiny bright lights. Yes. <laughs> um, it was very different from traditional shows uh, where like, you kind of had your contestants already set uh, at the beginning of it. Uh, instead, they had a competition at the beginning of each episode or at the, at the beginning of each new, like, where they needed a new contestant because it d- didn't always end up that each episode that there would be somebody right at the beginning that would do it because sometimes someone might still be going from the previous day. Um, but uh, do you guys remember what that competition was called? Tournament of Ten? Question mark. False. I have no recollection of this at all. I just remember people coming down the aisle with like the big bright light from behind them. But I think that was typically when they had been on the previous week's episode and yeah. like time had run out and they had to come back the next time. So, right. yeah, I don't remember. Are you sure you're not so- confusing that with Price is Right? Yes. No, the, 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 big, the big bright light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the competition was the Fastest Fingers. So it was, it was a multiple choice question that was given to, uh, I think it was 10 contestants that were all sitting kind of on the perimeter of the stage, uh, kind of in a circle. All of them were sitting at a chair that had a little computer screen in front of them. And it would come up with a question that had four multiple choice answers to it. They had to pick the correct answer and in the fastest amount of time, and that was the person who would get to play that episode of Who <clears throat> Wants to Be a Millionaire. Gotcha, gotcha. So that was how they would select the initial person, which, again, that was kind of exciting because 
before with uh you know shows like you know ten thousand dollar pyramid or jeopardy or all uh, a lot of those shows like other than really maybe uh the price is right like you kind of already knew who the contestants were going to be at the very outset of the show right um Price is Right being the only one that they'd kind of pull from the audience constantly. Could you imagine if they did that with, like, the newlywed game? Like, they just decided, like, <laughs> you two in the audience, like, we've been married 15 years. Like, ah, come on up. <laughs> <laughs> this is my sister. I don't want to go up there with her. <laughs> ah, you it's have okay. to be married to each other? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do live in, insert state name here that always gets associated with brothers and sisters <laughs> being married. Anyway, um, so once the contestant had been selected from the fastest fingers, they would come up to the podium, and they would be one-on-one with Regis Philbin. The way the show worked is that you would answer a series of questions, and there were initially 15 questions uh, f- between getting the you know, initial $100 all the way up to the grand prize of uh, 15th question being the million dollars. And so the way it worked is you had 15 questions and each of those questions was like, you didn't know what the question was. I don't even think they gave like categories at the outset. They would just like pull up the next question and ask the question. Right. Right. Uh, So the, the prize scale would basically double or roughly double every time so that it was somewhat of a manageable number. So uh, the first question, you would get $100. The second question, 200 Third question, 3 And then from there, it went to 500 1000 2000 4000 8000 16 32 64 125 250 500 And then finally, the million-dollar question. Okay, and the, explain the first- it to me like I'm five. So how many total possible questions to get the million? You'd need 15 total questions to get the million. And the first, like, four or five, they kind of do rapid fire, from what I remember, because they're all pretty easy. Yeah, so they would kind of break them into chunks for the commercial breaks and stuff. So they would do maybe the first two or three questions kind of right off the bat, and then they would take time to do, like, the little get-to-know-you stuff. Um, and then they would go into some more questions, commercial break, whatever it happened to be. Uh, but yes, yeah, so 15 total questions. The first one uh, being kind of the easier questions. And then, uh, you know, the 15th one obviously being uh, significantly more difficult. But, you know, it was always really interesting because as easy as they tried to make the first question, because obviously they wanted anyone that was on there to get a couple of questions just to build, you know, anticipation and stuff like that. But there were times where the person would like get to the hundred dollar question and lose right away. It's like, well, that was a dud. And do you remember during the first two week, uh, during the first initial series, there was a woman and I don't remember her name, but she missed the first question even after a lifeline, and it was national news the next day. <laughs> I do remember <laughs> do that. Do you guys yeah. remember what that question was? No. I don't remember the question, now. It was, which cardinal direction does a, the needle point on a compass? What? Yes. And she got that wrong? After she did a 50-50, and they took <laughs> two of the multiple choice away. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, oh God. that's really bad. 
And I think that was a really unique aspect of the show, too, because when you look at other trivia shows like Jeopardy and things like that, you just have to know the answer right off the bat. And you often have to know it in a faster amount of time than the people next to you know it, where you're one on one with Regis. So it's just you. And they as you got further up in the rounds, they would kind of play that out. There'd be more dramatic music. You know, he'd be going like, hey, is that your final answer to Nelson? Like, are you sure that's your final answer? And then he'd just like sit there and wait. Um, but the lifelines were really unique as well. Um, and I'm sure Adam will get into what three the, the three lifelines were. There may be more now. I have no idea. But um, one of them, as Paul mentioned, was the 50-50, where they would take away two of the wrong answers and leave you with the correct answer and mm-hmm. another wrong answer. And most of the time, you can kind of deduce what the right answer is from there. Unfortunately, some people will still pick West as <laughs> which way a compass points. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I think that is an important thing for us to talk about next, which is they had lifelines uh, available in this, which was new for any game show at the time. They had a way for you to uh, be able to help yourself if you were struggling with a question. So in the initial format, they had three lifelines that were available. Uh, the first one, as Paul mentioned, was 50-50, which would take two of the incorrect answers away. So you were left with two possible answers, the right answer and a wrong answer. Um, you also had uh, ask the audience or poll the audience where you could ask the members of the audience and they would have a little keypad in front of them and they would all put in what they thought the answer was. Regis would get a graph that said, okay, like 50% of the audience said it was A, uh, 25% of the audience said it was B, and then like, you know, 10% said C, whatever. Um, so it was a way for you to pull the people in the audience on that. And then Do the you final think anyone one, ever like intentionally gave the wrong answer? I would. I, you know, I remember thinking that during that time, like, I wonder if there's anyone that would just. Like, who was the first president of the United States? George Clinton, send. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, why not? (laughs) It was a funky time, you know? (laughs) If you you don't know this, you deserve to lose. So take that, you goon. (laughs) I 100% would do that. You're the one in the hot seat, not me. Why are you asking me? I I have nothing to lose, and I'm here to be entertained. I'm not here to help you win a million dollars. You need to win it. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah. So, uh, ask the audience 50-50. And then the final one uh, during the initial run was phone a friend. Uh, that was where you could make a call. Uh, the, they would arrange the person to be near the phone prior to this person coming on. And so, they would call him. And then the person would have 30 seconds uh, from the time that the question was asked to provide a possible answer for the contestant that was on the show. Um, So that was in the initial format. Now, there have been format changes throughout. I mean, it's been on... um, It was finally canceled in, like, the 2000s, late 2000s, early 2010s, and then uh, it was brought back for a period of time on daytime television, and then uh, it was canceled again. Yeah, it was... Um, its final episode was like three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. But I did see uh, they are actually apparently going to bring back another version of it with Jimmy Kimmel as the host. I, I just was reading about that as I was doing the research for this. 
Yeah, it sounds like they're going back to the uh, two-week primetime format. Cool. That'll be fun to watch, then. Heck, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, outside of the uh, those uh, original three lifelines, they've since added some and taken some away already, uh, including a plus one, uh, which was kind of like phone a friend, except the person was physically in the sound stage uh, oh, with them, so the person would come up on stage with them. Uh, they also had switch or cut the question, double dip, three wise men, ask the expert, jump Whoa. the question. So, so, so three ball. wise men is that just like they put three different types of whiskey into a shot glass and then? You <laughs> <laughs> I'll take one of Toss those. All right inhibition now. to the wind, and you just guess. <laughs> you, you get three shots of three wise men and see if getting drunk on TV will help loosen you up. Uh, I think the like answer is G, Regis. <laughs> <laughs> I get to uh, that fourteenth question, and you know if it's the difference between going home with two hundred thousand dollars, nothing, or walking home with the prize, I'm going to need a four horseman, not a three wise man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that actually, uh, it I completely had forgotten about this, but that actually brings me to another uh, important part of this show. So, as we mentioned before, there's fifteen questions, but after a certain amount of steps that you got through you actually got guaranteed money. So in a situation like Paul mentioned where you're going for a $250,000 question, if you got it wrong, you wouldn't necessarily leave with nothing. You would just leave with maybe like $125,000 instead of the two. Yeah, there were certain like checkpoints, like yeah. like star posts if for any of our Sonic the Hedgehog fans <laughs> out there. Well, and I, I really <laughs> liked that because it. I think it helped – contestants be a little bit more riskier in situations where they might be because uh another thing that we uh, haven't mentioned yet is that you could walk away at any point if you got to a certain point in the show and you were struggling with the questions or whatever and you didn't want to continue you could say i'm gonna walk away and you could leave with the money that you had or if you got it wrong you'd leave with money still but it would be a you know chunk less than it so say like instead of leaving with 125,000 you'd leave with like 50,000 but you could actually you could invite Steve Miller and take the money and run that's true (laughs) I don't think anybody ever used that though no that should be a lifeline I don't know why it's not I don't know (laughs) that would be really awesome to just see if Steve Miller run across the (laughs) grab like the big novelty checks and he just runs across (laughs) with the money (laughs) come on we gotta go (laughs) he is the pompatus of love after all so that's true (laughs) very true um so yeah, so that was another uh, piece of the format that was really beneficial to the people because if they got to a certain point, they could walk away and they still walked away with a considerable amount of money, which was different, again, than a lot of shows because a lot of shows, like, you get the question wrong or whatever and you leave with nothing. Uh, so this gave them the option to leave with some money still. Or because they had those checkpoints, you could be a little riskier because you knew, like, hey, I thought, you know, maybe when I came in, I thought maybe I'd get $10,000. Now, if I get the question wrong, I'm still guaranteed, you know, $50,000 or whatever it is. So I don't care if I take a little bit of a risk by guessing here. Right, uh, right. So, so it certainly pushed the risk of the contestants a little bit and made it more interesting because they weren't just going to stop 
when they got like a amount of money they were comfortable I, with. It would be so funny if someone just stopped after a thousand dollars and Regis is like, "Where are you going?" It's like, "Oh man, I just got to pay my rent this month. Thank you. <laughs> like, we're good." <laughs> Thanks, guys. It was really fun. <laughs> I went over I my data limit this month. It's really expensive. <laughs> I, I actually just wanted to get the hundred dollars so I could pay off the parking ticket I got yesterday. So, <laughs> Thanks, handicap guys. parking in the rain is no joke. <laughs> and a construction zone, it's doubled. So, <laughs> what would the annuity on that thousand dollars be? Well, we'll give you twenty five dollars a year for life. <laughs> I'm sure Regis would just hand you a thousand dollar bill. Um, I'm sure that's. <laughs> it's got his face on it. <laughs> I got you a filbert book. <laughs> have you guys heard of uh, the game show Last Fan Standing? No. no. So, Last Fan Standing, not to digress too far, but it's tangentially related, um, is a game show that is done at fan conventions like Comic-Con or Days of the Dead or those types of things. And they film it with – the contestants are all people randomly picked from the con, and it's hosted by um, Bruce Campbell. And cool. it, is a, it is sci-fi, horror, and um, – just general nerd trivia, comic books, etc. Very cool. And uh, the reason that I bring this up, or the, what you know, pop made this pop into my head, is if someone says a ridiculously stupid answer, uh, Bruce Campbell will take a dollar out of his pocket and hand it to the person. <laughs> wow. It's like I can't wow. give you points, but I was entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um. So, I mean, yeah, that was kind of the the main format of the the uh, show. Were there any other things you guys wanted to talk about as far as the formatting of the show before we move on? I know at some point it went from being a primetime show to like a syndicated daily version. When did yeah. that happen? Because it was I, beyond when I started watching it. I think that was or like stopped. in... 2000 uh let me see if i can find the date real quick but i'm pretty sure it was like after 2010 that the afternoon version of it uh started um well while you're looking yeah you guys talk amongst yourself what were you saying brian so um there's a whole lot of memes that have been created from who wants to be a millionaire yes um, both from like real contestants that have just had like really stupid faces while they're trying to get a question right um as well as fake ones one of my favorites is one of uh of leonidas from 300 um played by <laughs> gerard butler and it's him like screaming and it says what is this is it madness is it a chance to dine in hell is it i don't know LOL, or is it Sparta with like a thousand A's? Um, and then there's another one uh, with Freddie Mercury, and it's the question is, I want dot dot dot, and is the answer oh, yeah. it all to break free, to ride my bicycle, or to make a supersonic man out of you? Um, <laughs> like, they're so great. They're so great. My My favorite of the memes is actually from an SNL skit. It's where Keenan Thompson was playing a character that was a contestant on it. He's making this crazy face, like where his eyes are really big, and he's got this like horrified look on his face. And uh, the original question on it was like, which of these is a famous Icelandic volcano or something like that? 
and it was basically just like a bunch of random letters put together uh like a lot of vowels crunched <laughs> together and then like a random consonant here and there and stuff and he's just got this horrified look on his face but then uh somebody memed it and it was like which is the correct answer and then it was like a b b d uh c a or d b and it was like all right well my uh you know my uh answer is c oh so a no like c oh so like it was just oh it was great it's the, his expression in the picture is perfect <laughs> It's like, oh, I don't know how to answer this one. <laughs> do you all remember the first person to win the million dollars? I do, yes. Um, and actually was uh, was prepared and not only uh, have the person's name, I have the question that they were asked uh, to uh, win I, the million dollars. I don't have the question they were asked, but I love that his name is John Carpenter. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> No, so, no relation to the thing or Escape from New York or anything like that. Um, so yeah, so John Carpenter uh, became the first winner of the million dollars uh, in that first season. Uh, but do you guys remember what was so impressive about his initial run? His name? No. Well, besides <laughs> he, his name, he uh, he didn't use any lifelines at all. Until exactly. the very last question, and he used phone a friend, and he called his dad, and his dad's like, all right, how can I help you, son? He's like, actually, dad, I don't need your help at all. Just wanted to let you know I just won a million dollars. I love you and shit, and like hung up the he phone with his dad, and Reed just was just like, you smug son of a bitch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously, that was so mind-blowing, because it was like... He was like Ken Jennings before there was a Ken Jennings. Yeah. You know, like, just well, like, wow, and- this guy's nuts. Like, he had gone, you know, 14 questions without using a lifeline. It's like, wow, this guy's really smart. And then it gets to the last question, and he phones a friend, and it's like, oh, my God, like, he must not know this. Like, this is crazy. Is he going to get it? And then he says, uh, yeah, I just called to tell you I'm going to win a million dollars. And it was like, oh, my God, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I actually have the final question up on the uh, screen right now. It's kind of crazy because I'm sure half of our uh, audience might not even know what this is. Uh, But the final question that he answered to win the million dollars was, which of these U.S. presidents appeared on the television series Laughing, which was a, like, 70s show? Um, and the four answer choices were Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, and Gerald Ford. Could I go with Jimmy Carter? I would go with Nixon. Let's find out. I'm going to skip forward real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it was Richard Nixon. Boom! Wow. Was on laughing, which is surprising because Nixon looks like a person who never laughed once in his life. <laughs> his middle name is Milhouse. Give, give the guy a break, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that was huge. I mean, that that was. I mean, really, that was a pop culture like iconic moment because again, there had never been a show that offered one million dollars. So you were just sitting at home watching a person, you know, obviously they didn't become a millionaire because with uh, taxes and stuff like that, they wouldn't get the full million. 
but you just saw a person get way more money than had ever been offered on TV uh, over the span of a couple days. So that was really cool to watch. When did Survivor premiere? Survivor was when we were in 8th grade. Yeah, I would say would've... probably 2000 or 2001, if I had to guess. It would have had to be before 2001. I Well, I guess, I guess if it was early 2001. Yeah. Well, Eye of the Tiger came out in the 80s, so... <laughs> Different Survivor, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was uh, 2000. Okay. 2000. Because yeah. I was like, Survivor had a million dollar prize, too. This is true, yeah. Yeah, but it sounds like this was just before that. Yep. Yep. Uh, was it Rudy that won that first season? Was that his name? Uh, wasn't it Richard Hatch the first season? Richard, that's right, yeah. I say yep. it, was, it was Ruben, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Not um, Kelly Clarkson? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't she lose? Well, wait, hold on. Did she lose or did Justin lose? I don't remember. I feel like she won. Oh, it had to be her that one because she had the moment like this song. Yeah. This is how you know we're total nerds because we remember more about a trivia game show than a talent show. Yes, this is yes. True. This is true. <laughs> uh, since then, Justin Guarini's gone on to do uh, such amazing things as that movie From Kelly to Justin or whatever that was. And now he plays uh, Lil Sweet in the it's Dr. The Pepper. Sweet one. <laughs> sweet. I love it. <laughs> I always thought that was Chris Kattan. Like for the longest time, I thought that was it Chris Kattan. It does look like him. I honestly could not believe that it was. And was, like in uh, Corky Romano and Edit the Roxbury, he does all like the little like falsetto things. So I just figured that was him. Um, <laughs> had no idea. So. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, he was not the only one uh, oh, to win. Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. Um, nope. So, I think the big difference between Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Survivor is that most people on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire would win this either in one or two episodes, whereas Survivor, it was, what, 12 oh, weeks? weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a million dollars is... is you know, a, a big prize either way. I mean, it's still a million dollars, but a million dollars over 12 weeks versus a million dollars over like an hour of television. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's that's colossal. Yeah. Yeah. I would, oh, I'd be happy to make a million dollars an hour to be, you know, in stage and Richard makeup. Hatch got the actual million because he didn't pay taxes on it. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Isn't he still in jail? <laughs> didn't he just die? Maybe. I know that he was convicted of tax evasion, and I believe he served jail time. I do remember that, yes. Uh, he did serve a pretty considerable amount of time. But I'm pretty sure I remember he uh, hearing he just died not too long ago. Oh, no, it wasn't him. Maybe it was that Rudy guy. There was a Rudy... Well, Richard Hatch of Battlestar Galactica fame died. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. There you two have very it. different people. Yes, they are very two, two very different people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, there there were obviously others uh, that won, and we'll get to that later. But, um, you know, it really, for as long as the show wasn't on, there really wasn't a ton of people that won the million dollars. So it really kept you on the edge because you never knew, like, somebody could be right on the verge of winning a million dollars, uh, or they could go, you know, broke and, you know, 
drop a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was. <laughs> right. And I think something else that made it really uh engaging for America too is that Jeopardy you have to be pretty smart even just to watch Jeopardy and find it entertaining. Whereas like who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, you know, the first third of the questions are fairly straightforward. If I mean if you graduated high school with an okay GPA you probably knew most of those answers. It wasn't until you got above like the $50,000 question where things really started getting Yeah, once difficult. you started getting like six figures and higher, that's Or even like the, in, in Jeopardy, like the first question, $100 or 100-point question or whatever, can sometimes be way, way outside of any frame of reference I have on anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think that makes it a lot more enjoyable because people are like, oh, I know the answer to this question. I know the answer to this question. And then, you know, Sometimes you can even shout at the TV because you know the answer to a question that someone, you know, on, you know, like it's North. On the stage. Yeah, come <laughs> on. I need a 50 It's North. Yeah, but but you're absolutely correct. It was very accessible for a lot of people because you know the first yeah. a lot of the first questions <laughs> might be like relevant pop culture stuff. Like it might be. You know, at the time, uh, who played, uh, who plays Spider-Man in the Spider-Man series? Is it Tobey Maguire or, uh, Tover Grace and, you know, stuff like that? <laughs> Josh so, Hartnett and, yeah. uh, Freddie <laughs> Prince Jr. I'm like, who, who was an actor in the 90s that doesn't do shit now? Um, <laughs> uh, Skeet Ulrich can be added to that list now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Since he, he apparently, uh, got kicked off of our, uh, left, uh, Sabrina or whatever that show is. Right, right. So, yeah, so um, it was very accessible uh, early on, and then obviously the questions got harder. They always made it fun because the fact that it was multiple choice, you could still kind of try to make your guess or uh, try to work out the answer or whatever. Whereas, like, with Jeopardy, as you mentioned, it's like either you know it or you don't know it, or, like, maybe it'll come to you. Uh, right, you know, right. at some point, you, you're not just going to pull like a question out of your head that you don't know the answer to. But with the multiple choice format, you had that ability to still play along even up to the you know two hundred fifty, five hundred thousand. Even if yeah. you weren't sure about it, you could still play along and kind of guess with the person or uh, you know try your best on it. And I think Regis was like the perfect host to pick too, because that, those first few questions, he was very supportive and very good at getting people comfortable. And oh, then yeah. as it went on, he was very good at drawing the questions out. And even if someone knew the answer, like, I know the answer is George Harrison. I'm going to go with it. Like, are you sure? And the quote was always, <laughs> is that your final answer? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that became the, probably the biggest pop culture phrase of of 1999 oh, you know for sure a couple of years later you have you know you are the weakest link goodbye and things like that but this was like a huge huge catchphrase um absolutely up there with make seven up yours and uh <laughs> the bomb yeah <laughs> yokiro taco bell um, What's <laughs> but no. Uh, that yeah, can stay I, buried. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, you know the way he made contestants feel comfortable 
early on and then like really made them second guess things that they were feeling confident in later in the game like he was very much the angel and the devil on your shoulder oh depending absolutely. on that what was, part of the game you were in that was what made the tension so good like it was like are you sure like they could be a hundred percent positive like they answer it right away and he's like are you sure and it's like oh shit why is he asking me that is it, did i get it wrong <laughs> what's going on like Hold on, maybe I didn't think about it right. And then you got to go back and reread it. And and really, this was one of the first game shows I really remember where they really tried to build the suspense. Like, sure. you know, Jeopardy and, and Price is Right and all of those, like, as soon as they answered the question, it's like, oh, that was right or that was wrong. This one, it was like, are you sure? Like, is that your final answer? And then uh, he, you know, they'd say, yes, that's my final answer. And then there'd be this long pause, and it's like, oh my god, would, like, yeah. oh, wait, what happened? And then he'd be like, you're right! It's like, oh, yes! <laughs> I would say it was almost longer for correct answers than it was for wrong answers. <laughs> yes, Like, yeah. if they would have gotten it wrong, he'd be like, well, the answer was actually this. Whereas if it was correct, it was like, you just won yourself $64,000. Oh, the suspense is killing me. Man, I just peed myself twice while waiting. <laughs> and you weren't even the contestant. You were just sitting at home. I, I know. We had to put you know shrink wrap on all the sofas at home. <laughs> I got too excited. Br- Brian I wore s- my brown pants. <laughs> Brian, had, Brian was sitting on the carpet on his pee pad. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Were pee pads even a thing in '99? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But, but but Brian's dad sure rubbed his nose in it. Either way, <laughs> bad Brian. That's bad Brian. Yep. <laughs> this is what you. Ha- this is what happens when you do that. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's Regis Philbin's. <laughs> oh goodness. So uh, yeah. So speaking of hosts, uh, that was another thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, so Regis Philbin, obviously the most famous host, but he was not the only host of the show. Before uh, we go on, though, Adam, I think, has a great Regis impression. Can I get a final answer quote? Is that your final answer? <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like my Uncle Lou. I think you need to do it one more time. <laughs> Is that your final answer? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to more pressing matters. Uh, so besides Regis Philbin, uh, after he left, uh, Rosie O'Donnell was initially going to be the host, but she did not end up doing it at that point. Um, eventually, it was Meredith Vieira from like Good Morning America and all that was uh, the new host. And then uh, she was the original host of the daytime version, which I went back and found uh, was 2002 when it debuted. So a lot sooner than I thought it was. It was only like three years into its run that it did that. So uh, after Vieira left uh, as the uh, host, uh, she was replaced by like there's been a bunch of hosts since then, including Al Roker, Tom Bergeron, Tim Vincent, Dave Price. Billy Bush, Lisa Gibbons, Kat Dealey, Samantha Harris, Sean Robinson, Steve Harvey, John Henson, Sherry Shepard, Tim Gunn, D.L. Hughley, um, as well as um, Cedric the Entertainer at one point. 
That's a Terry, lot. Holy cow. Yeah, Terry Crews uh, was the oh, uh, I would watch that for uh, one season, and then Crews was uh, succeeded by Chris Harrison from The Bachelor, uh, <laughs> like the the host wow. of The Bachelor. And then, uh, as we mentioned before, on January eighth of twenty twenty, uh, a twentieth anniversary revival uh, show was announced, and Jimmy Kimmel will be the host of that. And wow. what was the last game show that Jimmy Kimmel hosted? Uh, that was When Ben Stein's Money. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. that was a great I show. I forgot if about guys, that show. Yeah, if you guys have never seen When Ben Stein's Money, you should check it out. It was Ben Stein, who's most famous for being the uh, the very boring, monotone teacher from Ferris Bueller. He does uh, the uh, dry eyes commercials, too. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, he's actually like... Uh, amazing economist and uh brilliant beyond all belief uh but they used to have a show kind of it was kind of similar to the quiz show from like back in the 60s where uh they they would have like questions and stuff like that but then once it got down to the final uh challenge it would be the contestant versus ben stein and during their uh last questions they would be secluded in a soundproof booth and uh, they would be asked the questions and stuff like that, and then you know determine whether you won Ben Stein's money or not. But um, yeah, so that was a very young uh, pre, even pre Man Show Jimmy Kimmel uh, that wow. hosted that show. That's crazy. Um, I, I'm sure I've told you guys, but I actually uh, met Ben Stein. Yes, um, yeah, years ago. Um, I was working at a speakers bureau, so a company that handles the schedules of like celebrity and motivational speakers and stuff like that. And he used to come by during the holidays and drop off a bottle of champagne for everybody. And uh, yeah, so I got to meet him. Got a got a ussy with him because it's a <laughs> selfie with two people. <laughs> Didn't um, you get two bottles of uh, <laughs> champagne from him? Yeah, I was in the bathroom when he was making his rounds, so he left one on my desk, and then I saw him as I was coming out of the bathroom, and that's when I met him, and he's like, oh, I don't know if I got you earlier, so here, here's a bottle, and when I got back to my desk, I already had one, so yeah, kind of cool. Was it the cheap stuff or the good stuff? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> so um, yeah, he's a, he's a really nice guy, though, So and way less monotone in person. Um, oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's, sure it's, it's still very of, much like a, so instead of being like Bueller, it's like Bueller, you know, so. I was hoping you were going to say he sounded like Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Well, it's still it's still pretty <laughs> monotone. It's just not as much as it was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so. Yeah, I'm sure uh, he played that up a lot uh, for his character, kind of like uh, uh, the guy who plays Iago. Um, oh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Gilbert Gottfried, how he plays up that that crazy voice and then you uh not not like maybe 10 years ago or something like that a voicemail came out of him talking and it was like him talking in a normal voice it was like what is life i i don't know one what's of going his on. uh one of his stand-up routines he does a whole bunch of uh impressions at the end and it's crazy um <laughs> because all you ever hear is that that voice you know um but he uh he did one where it was Jerry Seinfeld playing Hamlet. <laughs> it's like, to be or not to be? Who are these people that be? Like, it's, it's so great. It's like, he nails it perfectly. And it's like, I, I never knew that you had any other voice other than this crazed man voice. So, Well, it worked for him. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam Kinison and stuff. They all kind of had their 
their style that was very unique oh yeah um another one he did was um it was yosemite sam running off of a cliff um (laughs) and it was like yeah you yeah yeah and then it was bob dylan running off of a cliff is (laughs) really good (laughs) oh man well any any last thoughts from you guys on on uh, who wants to be a millionaire well, real quick, something we didn't touch on is from the early years, some of my favorite things were when they would do the celebrity editions sure, for charity. Sure. And uh, a notable celebrity that blew me away was Norm MacDonald. Really? Mm-hmm. I, and not to say that, you know, actors or comedians are the people that they portray leading to the point we just discussed, but... Norm MacDonald never struck me as a overly intelligent man. Don't really? get me wrong. I really? love him. He's hilarious. But I never took him as a, you know, trivia master. I mean, he's not Dennis Miller. I'll give you that. But yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just was completely blown away how easily he passed through, like, every question. Mm-hmm. And I think he won, like, half a million dollars for charity. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any other last thoughts that we have, gentlemen? No, I think we pretty much covered all of them. You know, it was definitely must-see TV when it first came out. Um, you know, oh, you definitely absolutely. definitely could not miss it. I, and and I think I there was a lot of shows that were slated on competing channels at the same time that did not do as well because the show was on. Oh, um, absolutely. I oh, want to yeah. say that uh, Freaks and Geeks is one of those shows that suffered from oh, Who Wants to yeah. Be a Millionaire being on it. Like I a can similar see that. Time slot. Freaks and Geeks. One of the most underrated comedies. Yeah, back when we did that episode. I feel like we talked about that. I can't remember. but Yeah, yep. Yeah. I still can't believe that Steve Harvey was a host for this show. Because I love Steve Harvey on... Family Feud because it's set up for somebody like him, but I don't feel like who wants to be a millionaire would be at all. Yeah, that's true. Even if you pick the right answer, like, what are you, stupid? <laughs> you know, I just can't imagine that happening. <laughs> Look at this guy! <laughs> yeah, like, at least on uh, Family Feud, he can be a horrible person to everyone, and people think it's charming for some reason. Oh, I, I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's very amusing. Um, Same. <laughs> although it would be really funny, and I was just picturing this if they were like the million dollar question, and then he told the person that they got it right, but he read the wrong card and actually they got the answer wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's actually wrong. <laughs> Where have I seen this before, Mister Harvey? Um, <laughs> Well, if that's everything, I think that wraps up our discussion on who wants to be a millionaire. And now we're going to move on to some Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Really not bad. Yes, I've devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whomever is closest will get a uh, chance to lead their chat next week. Brian has Beanie Babies, and Paul has Total Recall. Are you guys give those people air? <laughs> Are you guys ready? 
Yes. Ready. Y'all ready for this? Uh, Rocked, cocked, and ready to rock. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so as we've mentioned, the show was running from 1999 up until this past year, 2019. In that time, how many people or how many contestants won the million dollar prize? I'm going to guess lucky number 13. Because if it was on for 20 years, and you got to figure probably one a year on average. So I'm going to go with 13. Okay. I was going to say 11, but if it ends up being 12, then that makes it really, really shitty for a tiebreaker and stuff. So I'm going to go with 10. All right. Uh, the <laughs> Brian actually apparently would have gotten it uh, right on the nuts had he uh, gone with what he just said. But it was 12. Oh, really? So it was twelve. Oh, yeah. It was twelve. So, oh man, so, that is that is so sad. I went the wrong way. I went one down instead of one up. Damn so, it. Paul was the gave the correct answer. My tiebreaker question was going to be how many of those contestants were women. Six. I'm going to say eleven, and I'm going to say one of them was named Anita. <laughs> from guess who <laughs> both of you are wildly are you <laughs> both of you are wildly off only one contestant uh has been a female that won the top prize so all the other just 11, like guess who wow yeah all the other <laughs> all the other 11 were men so yeah anyway crazy stuff wow well there <laughs> you have it paul is going to be guiding us through the land of arnold and total recall next time. I still have beanie babies in my pocket. They're actually in my dad's attic, but that's beside the point. Um, and now <laughs> we will need to visit the hopper of imagination to get our friend Adam a new topic. Yes. Uh, we want to remind all of our listeners that if there is a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. Do it! Now. All right, I have fired up the hopper. Are you ready? Y- yes, and that is my final answer. Okay. Don't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> Your categories are music artist, pop culture, children's TV series. I'd like to use a lifeline. You may. Can I phone a friend? Absolutely. All right, Paul, what should I pick? I. You can't ask the host. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> Brian, what should I pick? Um, I would go with food and beverage lifesaver soda, <laughs> or even better, food and beverage Mad Men, the <laughs> animated series breakfast cereal. There we go. <laughs> 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 It'll be fun. <laughs> Okay, so uh, pop culture, music artist, you said, and kids' TV show? Yes. Um, I've done a lot of pop culture, so... I'm going to go kids' TV show, I think. You've just selected Gullah Gullah Island. Minya, <laughs> <laughs> minya. Seriously? No, not seriously. You have selected Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, oh much better. Much yes. better. 
Oh, but for you, for you Gullah Gullah Island enthusiasts, that is still a category in the hopper. Who cares? Gullah Gullah Island can suck it. Are you afraid of the dark? Is the best. <laughs> Binya Binya Pollywa is going to be a bullfrog one day and beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring it, because I got Bozo the Clown and uh, Sardo and all my friends to back me up. All right, all right. Can we do the Bucket Bonanza game? <laughs> <laughs> well, be sure to check us out again, guys, in uh, in two weeks when Paul will be talking about the action film Total Recall. And in future episodes, Adam will be discussing Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I will be chatting about Beanie Babies. Thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've We've got got mail. mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwbackion. Booyah! We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast. And, of course, we do the Twitter thing, too, at datedpodcast. And we're not only available in a limited time. Ooh. True. Two proofs of purchase. <laughs> well, remember, folks, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. Final answer. Bye, guys. See ya. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>